Welcome to the third episode of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I am Stephen Kabitza. I am once again joined by site contributor Andrew Seipt. Andrew, before we get into all the craziness of the past week, I want to ask an important question. How is your beagle puppy doing today? Uh, he's doing fantastic. He's actually right now passed out on the couch, and I'm hoping that he doesn't bother me <laughs> for the remainder of this podcast. I know he's passed out, and let's segue. A lot of people <laughs> felt very overwhelmed. <laughs> Segways are hard. Felt very overwhelmed throughout the past week. I know last, you know, when free agency began, we, th- you know, maybe we thought, oh, it's going to be about Terrell Pryor. It's going to be, maybe they'll make a crazy trade. But the first day, it was rapid fire. I actually got most of my updates from you calling me in a frenzy. <laughs> Let's talk about the craziest thing right away, the Brock Osweiler trade. What was your initial reaction before you knew all the details? My initial reaction was crazy. I, I was like, no freaking way it's real. Like, there's no way that that actually happened. And I was I was pretty stunned. Um, and then as, as the trade details became available, it was a lot easier to see that, that this is actually a trade that was done more in the NBA than something that's done in the NFL, which to me, it, it just proves Deep Podesta's role in the front office. Yeah, it was, it was something that's never been done before in the NFL. So I think a lot of people, once the details came out and you, you got over the initial shock of, oh, no, the Browns just got Brock Osweiler. It's a, it was a very smart deal, but just, just that initial reaction was very terrifying because everyone's scared about you know the team maybe reaching on a quarterback in the draft. But <laughs> trading for someone not only with Osweiler's contract but his lack of skills as an NFL quarterback was absolutely terrifying. But as you said... Turned out to be a good thing. Well, he looks like a newborn giraffe trying to play quarterback. <laughs> six, seven, and can't really throw the ball anywhere. Uh, I mean, I, I had him on my fantasy team and one of them, and, and he was a short-lived fantasy option. That's for darn sure. Yeah, he can't really th- – I don't know. You don't. He hasn't really played much, but when he did play, especially with the Texans when he was given full-time role, he couldn't even be a Brown starting quarterback, and that's saying a lot after RG3 – Began the year last year as a starter. I mean, they went. They went. He's thirteen and eight as a starter, I believe. So he, I think he's a little bit jaded because he, he's back behind two all time or not all time, but two very very good defenses in the Broncos and the Texans. So it's proven that he can win, but he's got to have that that elite defense behind him in order to do that. And I mean, you look at the Browns compared to the Texans and. Those that talent's not there, so I I don't know how the Browns. I, I get if you want to bring him into OTAs or something, but I, I have a hard time believing that the Browns are going to somehow bring him in as into OTAs or training camp as some sort of viable option. Yeah, I, c- I can't imagine him even showing up in Cleveland because they might just release him. I mean, with the draft, it's I mean it's about what five six weeks now until the draft. He might not even be on the roster by then because they're trying to swing a trade, but the trade market's kind of gone silent. But that's just to the public. We don't know. They could be yeah, talking you never to know. Jets. Could get hurt. I mean, yeah, it depends on what Cutler does. Cutler could retire. I know there have been rumblings that he might go to the Jets, and, and the free agent market's kind of washed up. So if you're a team looking for um, looking to draft a quarterback, and none of these guys in the draft really being an option that that can come in and play right away from from most of the perspectives, I mean, Brock Osweiler gives you that option. So that's where the Browns could feasibly use him, but. I don't know. I I I couldn't. Do you think they can having... connive away in the trading a team Brock Osweiler? Because if the Browns don't want him to start for a year, the the worst team in the NFL last year doesn't want him to start. Why would another team even take on half of his contract just for a year? Um, I mean, it's it's the Browns eating most of that contract, so I, I wouldn't be too upset about it. It's a little bit. Um, it's a little bit easier for a team to stomach an $8 million contract as a back. But, I mean, who wants them to come in and, like, exactly. it would have to be a team that's trying to tank like the Jets. Yeah, and it's, you never know. I mean, his salary's off the books next year, and for the Browns, I mean, they'll probably just cut him, so it, it's not really a, a huge deal, but I, I have a hard time seeing a team taking on that contract as, as well as the talent, to be honest. So that was the most high-profile move, although it's one that is more for the draft picks that we got as opposed to, you know, a new quarterback in town. But with the rest of the moves, how would you grade just the overall, you know, I guess it was mostly just the first day of free agency, but how would you grade 
the the acquisitions that the Browns got? Uh, I think Zeitler and Treader obviously solid offensive line options. I mean, if you look at the offensive line, wasn't terrible. It, it was riddled by injuries, but I mean, you're you're really putting a lot of investment into the offensive line, which is something that that benefits not only the quarterback but the running game as well. Um, gives you the ability to control the game a little bit more than what the Browns were able to do last year. So I think it's definitely an, an A or B-plus grade in terms of those two guys. Um, I don't know too much about Treader, but Zeitler was obviously the number one lineman coming into the offseason. Uh, Kenny Britt, uh, I think he's a, a solid receiver. Uh, it's, he's a veteran. He's been around for a long time, but he, he's got the same numbers as Pryor, and I'm not expecting him to replace Pryor, but – just gives you more of that re- reliable number two option behind Corey Coleman. Yeah, and with uh, starting off with the offensive lineman, they also extended Joel Platonio. So it was clear that, you know, while the fans scream, build the line, build the line, they're, they're doing it. They seem set because now they have those 11 draft picks to either trade or, you know, focus mainly on the defense. So they took care of that build the line. Um, Thank God. Argue- <laughs> And the argument, if they they built the line, draft a dang quarterback now. The line is built. Draft a quarterback. You have a. They now have a better offensive line than ninety five percent of the teams in the league. So there's a, there's no room for that argument anymore. You need to take a quarterback. You need to go after whether it's Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitch Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, the Peterman guy from Pitt, literally anybody. Put him back there and let's move on. So we're gonna get to the quarterbacks. Soon as that is our favorite topic of conversation. But first, I want to get back with Pryor. Would you say that getting Britt, you know, kind of, we don't want to say he's replacing him, but just in the sense of Pryor's out, Britt's in, do you think it's just a lateral move that we're we're going to get the same production, basically what Pryor was giving? It's not, because I think a lot of people get caught up in, you know, Pryor, and this is, let's just take it at like an arbitration style meeting. For Pryor, he had a thousand yard season. Some stats may be inflated because the team was losing in most of the games. And he, you know, a thousand yards for a Browns receiver is really cool and very rare. But, you know, with Britt getting a thousand yards kind of on the Rams team, that was also very bad. Is it just kind of a swapping out an average guy for another average guy? Or do you think it's really going to be a major issue that they lost prior on, you know, in offense next year? I obviously think it'll hurt. I think he, you lose kind of that explosive playability. I know there were a couple plays last year that even though the Browns didn't have a quarterback healthy enough to really utilize the downfield game or have enough time to do that, you lose kind of that explosive playability. But Britt, like I said, brings that possession receiver, um, just kind of that bulldog almost that, that you know he's going to go across the middle, take some hits, but he's going to hang on to the ball and – hopefully have a quarterback there that's going to put him in favorable situations to succeed. Um, with Pryor, like I said, you get more of the explosiveness and you have more upside because I think what Br- what Britt is now is kind of his upside. You're really not – he's not he's not going to be a 1,200-yard receiver. He's not going to be um, like that elite guy. I think he's – I would compare him to almost a Mohamed Sanu. Or Mohamed Sanu is like a Kenny Britt, that, that valuable number two receiver that when you have your number one option – He's that go-to guy afterward to to exploit the defense, and that's what that's what Coleman's brought in to do. You know, be that number one guy. Um, so with Britt coming in, I don't think they expect Britt to be this dominant receiver. And I think some fans look at Pryor as that you know big time player. But the whole point of taking Corey Coleman last year was to be the number one. So essentially, they went into the offseason saying we already have our number one receiver. Do we really need to break the bank? to keep Pryor, although, I mean, they gave him a fair offer. I don't think it was a breaking the bank thing with Pryor. I think it was just the nature of the NFL and and free agency and the business side of things. So in my opinion, I I look at the Terrell Pryor situation and say, all right, Browns probably, let's assume they they gave him the the Kenny Britt deal. So their Browns are offering four years, 32 million, 16 guaranteed. If I'm Terrell Pryor, as much as I love having him as a player, you look at the business side and say, well, I'm just scratching the surface as an NFL receiver. I if I sign for four years, that means they've locked me up for three years, and I like I, I would be hard pressed to say that Terrell Pryor is probably going to be a twelve hundred yard receiver, and maybe more. I mean, he's huge, he's fast. The guy's got almost unlimited potential. And Washington lost a lot like, of their talent, so he's going to be one of the probably one of the main targets. So he, he could easily get that number, especially with Kirk Cousins if he's still there next year. Exactly. So I think Pryor really wanted that one year deal or something along those lines, and the Browns. <clears throat> weren't necessarily willing to deal with that. So 
it was more of like a okay, go. The Browns said you turn down our offer, go test the market, see what you can get. And when he came back with a, a number lower than what the Browns offered, they reduced their offer as any good business would. I mean, basically, how negotiations work is that when an offer is presented, if you turn down that offer, that's it. The offer's off the t- in in most situations, the offer's off the table. So as soon as you or if you counter offer that initial offer is off the table. So for Terrell Pryor, he kind of overplayed his hand. The Rosenhaus has overplayed their hand as well. I think he truly does want to be in Cleveland, but it was a thing that just got caught up in the business side of things that that enabled him to walk. Hey, if he he's just on a one year deal with the Redskins, he can always come back to Cleveland in 2018. There's you know they're going to have a lot of cap space, and if they you know if it's just Coleman and Britt and the other three guys they drafted last year are just not getting it done. They could still go out and get Pryor. I don't think anyone would have an issue with that. And if Kirk Cousins tries to leave the Redskins because they're not going to tag him for $34 million again, if, if, he, if he leaves and Pryor says, hey, you know, I got a chance to go back to Cleveland, they have a legitimate quarterback and a system I'm familiar with, I don't think any fans would have a problem with that. And the front office would give him a fair deal, given, his, given he doesn't have a crazy year this year and his value is just way too high. Yeah. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, uh, recent rumors have circulated about the Browns making a run at Kirk Cousins. Is that something that you would be interested in, in doing? I don't know. We we just had an article go up on the site here on uh, Wednesday. One of our writers, Damon, said he doesn't buy it. He thinks that it's just all fluff. It's the media kind of throwing it out there like, oh, there's an unnamed source. Although, Unnamed sources are legit. I'm not saying it because sometimes you just can't name the person. But there was just kind of this fighting going on between different outlets of saying, oh, it's not legit. It is legit. Well, it's just easy to connect the dots between, like, Kirk Cousins. Like, a lot of teams can't pay what Kirk Cousins wants or the Redskins aren't willing to do it. And the Browns have the Yeah, and what does, so what does pursuing really mean? It could be the Browns called, although I don't know who's there to answer the phone in Washington um, currently <laughs> after they fired their GM. Definitely not Scott McLuhan. But – yeah, I I don't I think I would like them to do it. Obviously, given they cut Osweiler, so we they don't have do it. fifty million dollars invested in, in two quarterbacks. <laughs> but given they get cut Osweiler, I'd be fine with it. And you know, if he has a good year, they're gonna make him their franchise guy, and he would be in a better situation. And as crazy as it sounds, Washington is far more toxic as an organization than the Browns. And if he came here, had a good year, they'd keep him. I couldn't see him. Like, there's not many open quarterback spots to go to. Oh, there's plenty. Trust me. Yeah. So if, no, maybe not ones that are willing to pay what he wants or have the draft exactly. capital to do it. But if I'm the Browns, I mean, I'm giving up 12 and even two second rounders next year, maybe a first. I don't, I don't care. I mean, if you can land Kirk Cousins, even if it's for two years. So you have this year he's tagged at 28 million. Even next year, if you want to transition tag him, well, I mean, he's 23.94. Just to uh, clarify. What, what did I say? Oh, okay. Uh, I don't want you to know way, overvalue I mean, Kirk Cousins based <laughs> on his already ludicrous deal. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the Washington doesn't do anyone any favors. Like, what happens if he hits the market, like, and no one pays what he wants? I mean, then the market settles, obviously. But back to my original point, if you're the Browns, I think you got to go after this guy. Um, he provides an inst- even better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he's proven it; he can do it at this level. Sixty-eight completion, sixty-eight percent completion percentage over the last two years. Forty-five hundred yards, averaging only eleven interceptions, and I believe around thirty touchdowns. And I, I'm not sure officially on that number, but man, I mean, those are some franchise quarterback. Numbers. Yeah, the thing with Kirk, I would gladly give um, calling him Kirk first name basis here. Thing I like with him is that I think a lot of fans like he's a legit NFL starting quarterback. Took a team to the playoffs. He's not a backup, and he was a backup behind RG3, but he was kind of drafted to be the starter there eventually. It was very suspect when they did that. You knew RG3 wasn't going to last long. But I think, if I mean, I would love to have him here. I think a lot of fans would, even for the money, because they have still over, I believe, around $67 million left, and the draft picks aren't going to cost that much. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with it. What percent likelihood do you think... Kirk Cousins is a starting quarterback for the Browns in 2017. I want to go straight up game show segment here. Percent likelihood he's the starting quarterback? Uh, I'd say under 10. I, I just don't think Washington's going to trade him. I mean, the Browns, 
you could blow them away with whatever you want, but teams don't let franchise quarterbacks leave. And I know Washington and, and especially Cleveland are an exception to that because of just the recent toxicity in the franchises. But I, I, if you're Washington, I mean, Bruce Allen's a whole different segment we could go on about, about Bruce Allen, but they're just not going to let a franchise quarterback walk like that. It's, it's crazy that they won't just give him a contract, give him the money and a contract extension because these quarterbacks don't grow on trees, as we well know. I, I just don't see the Browns. I think they're kind of using it as leverage against the Patriots to say, hey, well, if you're not going to trade us Garoppolo, then screw it. We'll go after, we'll go after Cousins. So do you think that there is no interest in Cousins and they're just using it as leverage against the Patriots? Or do you think they actually, you know, they are pursuing Cousins with the knowledge that it will, you know, cause um, maybe a, the value of Garoppolo to go down? It should. They should have real interest in him. I mean, any any feasible, any viable option at quarterback that the Browns could could get, they should be on top making calls. Uh, whatever they can do to to get that franchise quarterback, they should be on the phone doing it. And I'm sure they are, but it's. It, I, there was a, a recent report, I believe, by Mary Kay saying that that three teams had already inquired about Kirk Cousins and were immediately shot down. So it's just things like that that, uh, yeah, the Browns can reach out, but how willing is Washington really going to be in trade? Yeah, probably. I mean, it, to get Kirk, it would it would take probably the number one pick, eh, and more. You think so? Would you I, Would you do it? Uh, it? It's tough because draft picks are valued so highly the number one pick it's it's the potential the potential outweighs oh it's the fascination exactly. of the unknown man the unknown outweighs Everyone, the current I'm, talent i'm guilty of it yeah i'm guilty of it i love i i love the draft i mean the draft the unknown the ability to to potentially find the next khalil mack the next odell beckham like to for the browns they just whiffed on so many picks that like you're just waiting for that one guy that they can get to be that guy and i think miles garrett's going to be that guy it's a no-brainer at number one but you also look at the houston texans and if if you're the houston texans would you trade jj watt for kirk oh they they totally would no-brainer yeah i mean it's it's that type of argument i get you want miles garrett but you gotta look at you need a franchise quarterback, and you're only going to go so far with your defense. There's not a single team in the Super Bowl or in contention for the Super Bowl that's that's defensive minded. They may have great defenses, but they're led by. There's a always a good quarterback, with a stud quarterback. Exactly. There's no team in the, in the Super Bowl without. I mean, you have your obvious your Rex Grossman's, but even he played a solid year. Exactly. He wasn't out there like like playing like Osweiler. Yep. <laughs> you can't go 14 and two Osweiler, with a horrible man. quarterback like they did that year. I don't know how I remember their record from that year. I just do. That was 2008, right? I'm not sure the year, but I know that that was their record. Big Bears fan under Rex Grossman. Very, very obscure sports stats from eight to ten years ago is what we specialize in here. Yeah, I remember there. Rex Grossman. That week seven matchup was crazy. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think our view of we want Cousins – directly opposes the view in the Browns front office, which is building through the draft. And it makes sense. They say, hey, we have 11 picks this year, and, and they have so many next year, too, early on. They're not going to make any drastic moves that, until at least 2019, probably. But you've had so many young players on that roster last year. Like I, I believe it was 40 out of 74 on their roster right now. Have were have accrued at least a year or less of NFL experience, which is absolutely mind-boggling. I think that's the most by far of an NFL team in NFL history. You cannot bring eleven more rookies over. Uh, what is that? Twenty-two rookies over the next two years into the into this franchise? Like at some point, and, and these free agents that they brought in are exactly the kind of guys that I wanted. Guys coming off their rookie deals that are looking to get paid. That that prove that they're established talent in the NFL, similar to Jamie Collins. The Browns did a – I think that's the perfect move that they need to keep making in getting guys that teams are either not willing to pay or just kind of moving on from due to whether it's coaching change, regime change. Tremaine Johnson, another another name that comes to mind. I mean, you've got all these second-round picks. Go take a stab at a guy like that. Pay him, pay him a little bit of money, but Malcolm Butler and the Patriots – Package him and Jimmy Garoppolo together. We have the money to pay Malcolm Butler. Cornerback's a position in need. Go after some of these guys with all these draft picks because you can't bring in 11 new rookies. You need some veterans. Some yeah, the, the stockpiling of picks seems to be, I mean, 
it obviously allows them to make these monster trades where they just package a bunch of uh, picks in. But it seems to be that's part of the strategy as well. They're just not going to come out and say it. They're not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're shopping our second-round picks, our third-round picks, even the first-round picks. They're not going to say it to the media. But, I mean, I'm sure teams know around the league. I'm sure the Browns have called and they've told everyone, hey, these picks are up if you have an, like for Kirk Cousins or for Garoppolo. We'll give you the 12 for Garoppolo. And it's just hard for the fans to know because that's, it's so, you know, tough to trust what's coming out because it yeah. changes on an hourly basis. But it does seem that those picks yeah, I mean, are really- held in an effort to use them to acquire not only a quarterback, it could be a, just any, I mean, it's like how they got Jamie Collins last year. It could just be to acquire any star, and that could even happen during the season. So I think to get – I'm not saying you are, but just to get upset and say, oh, we have all these picks, we're going to have all these rookies as well. They might say, hey, we're going to bring in rookies, but you know, maybe we'll you know, cut them and then say, oh, we're going to use our, this pick to bring in a guy as an upgrade tra- trading a second well, round for him. If you're gonna if you're gonna draft a rookie and then cut him, like what? Well, I mean, you're giving a no guy a tryout. Like, I don't mean draft him and cut him right away, but no, I. If you're drafting a guy, there should be no reason. I mean, Farmer drafted Vince Mayo in the fourth round, and he didn't even make the team. Like that guy's not even. He might be on a. Practice I believe he was on the Cowboys team. last year. Like, you can't. You can't do that. You cannot bring in guys and then cut them. I, I think there was one guy last year who's now on our practice squad that that was out of that draft class that. Uh, in the 2016 draft class for the Browns, but you, if you're going to draft, a, if you're going to spend money on drafting a guy and spend this "quote unquote" draft capital that we've been so good to acquire, been so hard to acquire over the last two years, you you can't bring in a guy like that and then cut him. Trade, package that pick again. It's the fear or the the fascination of the unknown. You're drafting this guy, and yeah, you find out that he stinks, but you could have done that could have used that pick to trade and find somebody else who's already a known commodity or an established talent in the NFL. I'm not saying it's like a, like no one's going to trade a seventh rounder for a value, a valuable player. You know, those picks are usually used for trading up, trading down in the draft, but a third round guy, I mean, what's the difference between drafting a guy in the third round versus kind of like the Jamar Taylor situation. Yeah. You get a, you get a several year starter who they extended by, I think that's even a smarter strategy is you have a, they have so many picks, you have like a third round pick and say, Hey, instead of drafting this project defensive back, let's just trade for this mid-level guy who this team's willing to shop. Yeah. I mean, Hugh Jackson was in Oakland. They drafted, they had guys that they liked in Oakland that maybe Reggie McKenzie didn't like, or there's always guys that coaches like, but don't either have the opportunity to draft or the team doesn't even have an opportunity to draft. So there's always co- guys around the league that coaches have that fit their system. So if you see a draft pick that maybe the guy that you don't want is in the third round is there. So offer it to a team and say, we'll package it with another pick next year and, and go get that guy. I don't know what, what type of player that might be, but Jamar Taylor is a great example of that. So I, I just more trades like that can really infuse the roster with some veteran talent that's been needed after all these draft picks over the last five years, first round picks have failed. So, Continuing on with the draft, just want to ask you a quick question. Do you think that there is any chance Miles Garrett won't be a Brown in 2017, whether that be they don't just flat out don't take him or they trade the pick? Oh, they're taking Miles Garrett. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, I, I, as much as I love Kirk Cousins, I don't. And, and as much as I want a franchise quarterback, I don't. I don't think they're going to trade it. It doesn't make sense to trade it because you have number 12 as an insurance policy. Plus, none of these quarterbacks really jump off the page, which is a good thing because maybe Miles Garrett helped temper those those rise up the draft boards like you normally see with these quarterbacks after the combine. Miles um, Garrett definitely put those to rest, and he, he's going to be a Brown for a long time. And, and with Garrett, a lot of fans may get caught up and say, oh, I want a quarterback or I want this, but – yeah, but I'm talking about at number one. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I mean, if there if was, there was a guy like ever. Yeah, and I would totally take the quarterback over Miles Garrett, and it's it's weird to say, but 
you just got to find the guy. And everyone wants to wait till next year. And I get it. You, you see all the – it's, again, fascination of the unknown. You, last year it was all, let's go for Deshaun Watson. Tank for Deshaun Watson. He's going to be the guy. Now we're back here, and Deshaun Watson, yeah, he might be the guy, but he's not the number one pick, which quarterbacks tend to be at those positions. He's not a Matt Stafford who – you know, I'd take Matt Stafford 10 out of 10 times at number one. So you look at everyone's looking forward to next year, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. I mean, yeah, those guys look great now, but when it comes time next year, look what happened to Matt Barkley. Barkley was a, a top five pick, and he ended up being a fourth rounder when he went back to school. So you never know what happens in those college years, and it's impossible to, to sit here and, and judge a quarterback class a year out and say you can't address the position now because, I don't know, maybe the guy hasn't separated himself, you know? I, it's just waiting, waiting year in and year out for the draft or to draft a quarterback will get people fired, no doubt. So do you believe that there's anyone, any quarterback in this draft that is worthy of a top pick? Or do you think it's, they, it's just no way anyone's rated higher than Miles Garrett? Yeah, I, I think just based on how good Miles Garrett was at the combine and, and his showing off his athleticism and, and the things he can do on the football field versus the court. Yeah. Some of the quarterbacks did some really good things during the combine, but none of them really separated themselves in terms of that overwhelming ability to separate themselves as that number one pick. So it, it made, and plus there's just so much talent at the top of the draft that it really kind of downplayed the, the quarterback position in terms of value. So it, all the GMs kind of have that same mindset right now that, that, these quarterbacks are not really worthy of a first round pick and they all have one sort of major flaw that prevents them from being that pick. So it makes it easier on the Browns because if they were to pass up miles Garrett for a quarterback, I mean, the backlash would be insane. So it just makes the Browns decision that much easier. to. And he's a guy who no matter who's picking number one, he's going to go, he's going to be the number one pick. So if the, if he does end up not being a superstar, you can't fault the Browns for taking him. Because he wasn't some project pick or like a taking a quarterback. He's a guy who's been rated the top picks, but basically all, yeah, all season. Since last year. Like at, literally after the season ended in 2015, he was, or whatever. He, he's been the number one prospect since last year's draft. And it, even if you look at a guy like Jadeveon Clowney, I mean, Clowney didn't play well. He's been hurt for the last two years, and, and no one really considered him a bust. But, I mean, it was there was a lot of question brought in. Like, but no one was bashing the Texans for that, though. It was just kind of the player's fault. So, But even he's turning it around what, what now. With Miles Garrett. Oh, yeah, he's a monster now. And now that he's healthy, man, he, he turns around that defense. And I look forward to Miles Garrett doing the same thing. The only, the only caveat I see is if, you're, if you think that that guy, that quarter, if there's a quarterback in the draft that you think it is your guy, then you gotta, you got to take him. I mean, you can't guarantee that he's going to be there at twelve. I think if he can change your franchise, you got to do it. But they I even have the ability to. I mean, every team does. But with that number twelve pick, there's teams in the top ten who could be looking to trade out, such as the Jets, who have openly said that they're almost in a Brown situation where they're rebuilding, kind of slashing all their talent. If you're the Browns, I mean, you're on the work on the phones. The Jets aren't going to probably not going to take a rookie quarterback based just based on their current. Um, philosophy probably not going to invest in a guy this year maybe take a guy in a later round to give him a chance but well they've taken a quarterback every year for the last I mean they have Hackenberg Petty they just like oh Gino Smith and Fitzpatrick but I mean not to say that those guys are going to be the starters but my theory is that they're going to trade up with Tennessee and just give back the second round pick (laughs) that they got for I mean it's it's essentially the same amount of spots so I don't know what what other picks were given up aside from the second rounder this year, but I know that it, they moved up from 15 to eight last year to take Jack Conklin. And now this year, the Browns are going to move up, or hopefully move up from 12 to five in front of the jets should like, maybe they fall in love with the quarterback during these, these pro days interview processes. So you never know what's going to happen. I think the Browns should be active. On yeah, the and during the draft, during draft teams aren't going to lie to you because they want the picks you have. So, th- I mean, they may say like, exactly. oh, we're about to take, Trubisky but the Browns might say no you're not like you're you're absolutely not like they they want they yeah yeah they want to help each other in the sense of if you have a higher pick you'll tell the truth to be like you know be like hey we'll we're gonna give you this pick we're you know because if we don't take him the next team's gonna they called us so 
It, there's probably a bit of lying well, involved now that I really think about it because it's NFL GMs. Well, I think it's lying in terms of interest level. So it's like, it, it, so say the Browns call it the Jets, and the Jets are like, oh, we love, like, we love Trubisky. We're going to take him. But, like, the Browns, everything so far out of New York. Yeah, so the Browns know. Out of that pick because they're just doing the same thing the Browns are doing. Yeah, and there's there's a general sense around the league that, that these quarterbacks really aren't worth taking in the top. 15, 20 picks. So even at number 12, I think the likelihood for the Browns of getting one of those guys is good. I still don't think that they're going to even take one, which is crazy to me. But just the general sense from from my perspective and the hype that usually surrounds quarterbacks at this time just isn't there for these guys. So, I, I mean, if you're if you're taking a look at 12 and you're the Browns, if I see a guy drop like Solomon Thomas – to right, right before the bank, I, I would try and trade up right before that Bengals pick and just get another defensive stud if, if one of those quarterbacks doesn't doesn't come out and separate themselves. I think it's Browns could have an opportunity to get two studs in the first. So right now, with that mindset of they're not going to take a guy top twelve, take a quarterback. Do you think Cody Kessler is the favorite to be the starter to open the season next year? Is this discounting a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo that I think is going to happen? Yes, as of right now. Uh, yeah, I would say Kessler. Is he the favorite? Yeah, I mean he's. It's kind of like what is it? Process of elimination. I mean he's, <laughs> he's the only one left. So um, I, I think again, I, I think Kessler does some good things, but I think a lot of people are making him out to be something that he's not. Um, a lot of these quarterbacks take a, a lot of time to develop, and I think Kessler is one of those guys. I don't think. He could really step in right now. I think he played better. I mean, like I said before, he led them through perhaps their best stretch of football last year. I just think it's one of those things where a lot of people, because of the limited quarterback hype or like the the, the uncertainty surrounding all these quarterbacks, I think there's a lot of uh, hyping up of their own guys just to put themselves at, put themselves at ease for this next year. And isn't it weird? I'm just from a fan point of view, how during the season everyone wants Kessler in because I mean it was process of elimination, but RG three is doing its bad. It's going, why aren't we playing Kessler? Like what I know he's dealing with some injuries, but so why aren't we playing him? Why aren't we playing him? Season ends immediately. Kessler is not qualified yeah. to be the starter. Like, were you lying to yourself? Like well, for months? Of he's he was thrust in there in week three, wasn't ready. Played solid. He, if he had a whole off season, he could probably make the team a little better than one in fifteen. Given they're going to have all this talent coming in. Yeah, he's going to be better. I think he's going to be a, a better quarterback just due to being in his system for another year, working out in the off season, knowing the playbook. I mean, he's one of those guys that's that's coming into the facility early. He's leaving late, so I think he's he's obviously going to get better, and he, they should definitely keep him on the roster. But to say that the quarterback position is is good right now or, or content that the Browns are not going to address it in some capacity this year is absurd. I think there's got to be, whether it's like a, a guy like Nathan Peterman in the third round, Davis Webb, I think Davis Webb's a guy that, that's hyping up or getting hyped up a lot more because of his size and, and the fact that Hugh Jackson played with him in the Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't know too much about him, but he loved Jared Goff last year in that same sort of offense. And it's just one of those things where it may not be one of those top three guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if they take a guy in the second round or even at that 33 pick being one of those quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a very likely possibility. There's always every year there's the two or three you know biggest hype guys, but maybe Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown say, no, these are not the best prospects. This is just what the media is saying. And they're just kind of the most hype. There could be a guy who they're seeing that's, just as qualified, just didn't play, just wasn't such a high-profile prospect all year. Yeah, I heard Greg Cosell yesterday on the radio talking about um, how none of these prospects are really like that one-size-fits-all, that a lot of them are are based on like what the, what the coach, it's like in the eye of the beholder, like what the coach sees in quarterbacks and, and how, how each quarterback fits their system and runs their offense. So, And a guy like Hugh Jackson takes that very seriously. So I think you have to look a lot, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo fits that mold perfectly, I think. Just a quick release, compact. I mean, similar to Andy Dalton in the sense that he's he's not going to go out and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns, but he's going to go and throw for close to 300, two touchdowns. He's going to move the ball down the field. Exactly, and that's – I don't care. You could be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's great, but just get me a guy that's going to move the ball down the field, for goodness sakes. Yeah, there was 
far too many predictable three and outs last year, as in most years with the rounds. But even Josh McCown can move the ball down the field. It was just they just need a guy who's consistently going to move the chain, stay healthy. And it sounds so basic, move the ball down the field, but just a guy who's going to complete short passes, who can just not get sacked when there is good protection, just you know get himself sacked. And like you said, Garoppolo is a guy like that. Just I guess for now it just depends on the cost, and that's going to be the main hanging point, maybe even until draft night. Yeah, would you uh, – I mean, as the draft comes closer too, all those picks get more and more valuable because the draft boards get more set – that you get more exposure to these players and, and the hype, or you, you can envision more of what type of player you're getting at that spot um, as the draft comes closer. So if, if the Patriots fall in love with a guy that, that could be there in the top of the second round, I mean, what's to say that they don't want that pick just so they can get that guy? You know, it's, it's one of those things where you look at now the Patriots don't have any draft picks in the first three rounds, so why not? It's almost connecting the dots again on stuff like that because – the Browns have so many picks and the Patriots really have none. So it, it just makes sense from a lot of different areas. And as the draft gets closer, those picks only become more valuable. What, uh, what do you make of the whole Isaiah Crowell second round tender? Would you, uh, would you trade uh, Isaiah Crowell for I mean, first of all, the teams that are inquiring about Isaiah Crowell, I think are absolutely crazy. I, I he's a good player, but, for, to trade a second-round pick and sign him to a contract, I think is dumb, honestly. I mean, you could I, I would not trade him, personally. I think keeping him – I mean, unless someone gives some insane offer that's just like, okay, we're not touching that. But if it's just on market value for the current running backs, I'd keep him. I think keeping him another year along with Duke Johnson back there – kind of building a good thing, and maybe we'll see how he does with some better blocking. I agree. I, I think Isaiah Crowell for a, long, for a good portion of the year, at least for the first five weeks, was one of the top rushers in the NFL. So I think that the ability is there. But if a team's going to come out and say that, we, like, that they want Isaiah Crowell for, I don't know, I'd assume $3 million a year, I think that might be what the ten, what's the tender, one point something, 1.2? or do you know I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yeah, me either. So – Either way, let's say it's $1.5 million. If a team's going to come in and say, hey, we're going to sign this guy for $3 million a year for four years, similar, I believe that's similar to what Miami signed Ronnie Hillman for. Um, I think you, if you're the Browns, you take that second-round pick, no doubt. Then it gives you the ability to if you, Imagine if you had G, Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook plus Duke Johnson behind that new offensive line. I mean, I, if you're the Browns, I think that's a feasible scenario. If you're going to trade... Isaiah Corral for a number two pick. I think you've got to target Fournette or Dalvin Cook at 12. Well, yeah, it, it all depends how the front office is currently evaluating those two guys and even the other backs in the draft. It's, a, it's like a legendary running back class from what I hear, so why not take a stab? I, I get that Isaiah – Hugh loves Isaiah Corral, and, and I, like I just said about 15 minutes ago, I'm a, a huge proponent of, of the known commodity, but, I mean – I don't know, it's a little different with running backs, though, when you have a size like Fournette. I know yeah. people might say, well, what about Trent Richardson? But he wasn't like there was a lot of people who said Trent Richardson was bad. Jim Brown being one of them. Yes. He just looked at tape and was like, this guy's no good. But he's you look at a guy like Fournette, it's almost his size and speed. It's almost tough to think he's going to fail miserably. Yeah. I mean, did people think about that about Zeke last year? I mean, Zeke stepped into. People want to use the build the line and, and build the line argument. I mean, why not put a guy back there? Isaiah Crowell is a threat to an extent, but he's not a guy that you're really game planning for, you know? You put a guy like Fournette back there with that size and speed, I mean, that's a guy that you have to stack the box. What what bet, If you do roll with Kessler or a rookie quarterback, doesn't that make <clears throat> your offense so much better because you, have, you give the defense a guy to fear aside from your quarterback, you know? it's Not only do they have to worry about what the quarterback's going to do, but they don't want – they have to fear what, what Fournette's going to do in the backfield too. I mean, with Crowell, I think it's just a little predictable because the Browns really just haven't had success in the running game or as much success as they'd like to have at least last season. And it gives the Browns – they don't have to panic if they're down 10 or 14 and immediately start chucking the ball downfield. They, ha- they say, you know, we have a solid running back – Who's we're going to move the? They're going to know we're running the ball, but we're still going to move it downfield. And there's think of backs like Marshawn Lynch. Teams know they're going to run the ball, 
Yeah. But it doesn't they matter. They still can't stop it. Yeah. Yeah. You can – Adrian Peterson, perfect example. I mean, they how many teams in his prime did they – teams stack the box, and they, he still ran through them like it was butter. I mean, it's – I get that running backs are a dime a dozen in terms of just finding a guy. Like, a 1,000-yard running back really doesn't mean anything now. I mean, over a 16-game season, that's pretty easy to do given kind of the way running backs are used now. I think – if you can find one of those elite guys, even if the shelf life isn't that long, you're getting a guy for six, seven years. That's a, just an absolute stud. Something the Browns haven't had for so long. And I think if people just get so caught up and they, every draft pick, they want these guys to be there for 11 years or like spend like Larry Fitzgerald to spend their whole career here. But just at some point, I, I don't even care if the guy's here for three years. Give me, give me some elite talent for just a brief period of time to get my hope again, hopes up again. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it certainly doesn't hurt to take Fournette or Cook or even any when they evaluate highly. Like you said, it's just it, it changes the dynamic of the offense. And I think we've been kind of beaten down by watching the running game the past few years. Ever si- I mean, really since Peyton Hillis left, there's, yeah. there's been Duke. no dominant running back. Yeah, and I, I like Duke Johnson a lot. I think Duke Johnson... Well, he's kind of, he's kind of almost better as a... Skill, it's kind of a skill player, pass catcher, do it all. Yeah, I think that's very valuable in the backfield. But I mean, even if he was riffing off, what was he? I think he averaged five yards a carry too. I mean, they had they had really great numbers last year when they ran the ball. It was just that they never got to because they were so bad. They were always losing. Yeah, I think that'll change this year, especially behind the new offensive line. So, fingers crossed that that everyone stays healthy and that's that's a new. And you're gonna have a better defense, so you're not gonna be starting. On the ten you yard think. line every time. That's very you the field think. position is something that the Browns were horrible at last year, and a lot of people forget about that. Say, oh, why'd they throw the ball so much? Well, if you're starting on the five yard line and you're down fourteen points, you can't be like, oh, we're going to establish a run game. Yeah, so it's a uh, field position is definitely important. I mean, look, at, I think Bill Belichick called Johnny Hecker like who's the the punter for the Rams like a a wep- like a, a crazy weapon. You know, like isn't that so crazy that a punter could be considered a weapon? But makes them feel it's better true. about their jobs. That's true, but I mean, if you could it's put true, a team though. inside the ten yard line, you just change their whole. It, it, look at you. You have a team that's starting at the thirty five yard line versus game plan changes. Five. Exactly, you're going to run the ball. I mean, in Madden, I know I run the ball in the red zone bec- or when I'm backed up like that because I don't want a safety. And I can only imagine that unless you're the Falcons, Packers, or Patriots, <laughs> you're generally going to have that same ideology. So, um, I, I don't know. I, th- I think having. Having field position is very, very important, and, and controlling the clock, too, because how many times last year did the Browns come out either in the first quarter or first, second half? Minute-long three and, and just, outs. Yeah. So, what? I mean, that does nothing for your defense. It only makes it worse. And you punt, um, and you're on, they're on the 50. Yeah. And it, speaking of defense, I think drafting Miles Garrett just really helps not only your defensive line and Emmanuel Ogba, because you're, you're, you're putting him, I assume, on the right tackle, but it's helping out guys like Danny Shelton. Like, Danny Shelton can take up two blockers, so you're almost getting one-on-one on the outside. Agba played well by himself, basically, on that line. You put a threat on Miles Garrett on the other side. Not only that helps – it helps your cornerbacks immensely. Yeah, and then you have too. a linebacker shoot really, through the line. Exactly. I think that's really what, what Petten and his staff tried to do was, was get that dominant front seven and be able to then play defense in the secondary and have that ball-hawking ability because you're, you're able to put enough pressure on the quarterback to change – like once they hit their back foot, they're not they're rushing their throw or they're not comfortable in the pocket. So if you can disrupt the quarterback like that, I think it, it causes a lot more turnovers for the Browns that, that will ultimately help the, the team as a whole. Yeah, getting Garrett, I mean, we said it several times, no brainer, makes a team I watch his combine tape every once in a while just because like just just lonely great. at home it's watching so some Miles Garrett yeah. combine tape. 41-inch vertical. Yeah, that was cr- his, his combine. I know sometimes people say, oh, you can't look too much in the combine numbers. His combine was insane. I hate – I mean, I don't like combine numbers. I pay attention to, to specific things like defensive linemen, offensive linemen. I'm only concerned about how many reps they put up on the bench. Like cornerbacks or running backs, skill positions like that. What's your 40 time, your three-yard or your uh, – um, your cone, your shuttle, what, like what, is, what are those numbers? Because that's going to that's gonna show me what your agility is like, your acceleration, uh, stuff like that. Like I, quarterbacks, I don't care about your 40 time. I could honestly care. Mitch could have run a 10-second 40, <laughs> and I'd have been like, fine, good. I don't care. You know, like 
Yeah. Quarterbacks are not supposed to run like Robert Griffin the third. Like it's it doesn't matter. You're it's nice to have, but I'd rather you be able to dissect the defense and know what coverage is pre-snap you're looking at or be able to to take a play off a board or off your wristband and be able to spit it back in a huddle and not falter and not and be confident in who in, in your huddle and command the huddle and be that type of quarterback that the Browns need. Yeah, and Garrett, it wasn't so much that his combine made him the number one pick it just validated his position as the number one pick easily so yeah there was no there was no well um, garrett ran a whatever 40s number one pick it was oh this guy who's going to be the number one pick just proved that he's an absolute you know athletic freak yeah i saw a uh i saw a tweet that was just right after the combine that was i don't know who it was from but it was like uh the san francisco 49ers are now on the clock like it was just a no like it's a no-brainer for the browns to take him and no, it's. I'm happy if to, they don't. There's gonna be. A, oh, yeah. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. I was gonna say if they don't, it's gonna be the ultimate WWE <laughs> shock reveal. The first pick in the NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select Nathan Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> we just really evaluated him what? as the top quarterback, and we <laughs> thought someone was gonna take him after us. Or someone with like a like a sixth round grade. You're like, oh my. <laughs> I think Mel Kiper would have a heart attack, and he'd he'd uh, his wires would <laughs> short circuit. How, so do you think that how, – how would the fan base react? How would the fan base react if they took – No, no, listen, listen, listen. It's actually a pretty good a pretty good scenario. So say they don't take Miles Garrett, but they take, like, Malik Hooker. Oh, well, in Ohio State like, guy, everyone's like, going to, you know, freak it. out oh, and be excited. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, again, I think Malik Hooker is – I think he's number two right behind Miles Garrett in this draft and players that I want. We have to think um, most Browns fans are told Miles Garrett's the best pick. So without doing any research, they say he's the best pick. So I think if it's anyone but Garrett, everyone people are going to sa- freak out. Everyone says so, so it must be true, you know. And if you have differing opinions, You're a fool. it's uh, blasphemy. Well, uh, you know, a good life lesson. Anytime you express any opinion, people are going to lash out at it, which is the beauty of yeah, writing for a Browns blog. Always nice to see those <laughs> friendly remarks. <laughs> oh, let me well, check my I mean, comment inbox. About- oh, wow. Look at that. Look at that. That's, that's terrifying. That's the thing about Twitter nowadays. It's I mean, harsh. You can literally choose everything you want to see, whether it's like that's the news in general I mean, too. Not to get on a soapbox here, yeah. but no, it's. I mean, it's true. You can choose what you want to see, and if you don't like someone's opinion, you can literally not look at what they have to say. So, it, you, I think people get caught up in in not either not respecting other people's opinions or just not. They surround themselves with their own views, the and then when someone expresses it, they're yeah. so already ingrained. They say, how could we not take Garrett? This guy said this, and this guy said this. Well, what about all the other guys who are saying other stuff? It's all opinion-based. Yeah, and I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying don't draft Miles Garrett, but I'm saying if there's another guy that, like, say you, who, who has two really good passes? So if you're, if you're the Texans and you have the first pick, like, are you drafting exactly. Miles Garrett when you have Jadeveon Clowney and, and J.J. Watt? No, you're going to draft, I don't know, Malik Hooker or quarterback or something. You're going to draft someone else. So, I mean, it just happens to be that the Browns have a need at defensive end, but... I mean, it's not to say that there's other guys not worthy of that number one pick either. No, exactly. I think I think it's just the fact that the Browns have a need everywhere, essentially. So they just need to take the best overall player. And right now, that's Garrett. I agree. And to kind of wrap things up here, I want to do, because we're going to be talking Garrett a lot over the next six weeks, but I want to do my favorite total of uh, what the Browns... Favorite segment. I was going to say the prediction. Let me get to it. What is your prediction sorry, sorry. for the final record based on the current roster? You could even add Brock in there if you want. Current roster after free agency. Final record. All right. Can we get a, a, a recap of what we've done? I'm sorry if I cut you off before that, but let's do a recap. of. So with Jimmy, I believe it was uh, – what, what was my – I think it was eight. It was eight and eight. Eight, eight maybe. No, it was yeah, – Kirk it was on our Scrapped Kirk podcast. I believe you said ten and six. <laughs> no, then everyone right. to air. I did. I did. Rest in peace, that podcast. That was a good one, too. I'm waiting for the uh, Browns to trade okay, for so Kirk, Kirk right now. And we're going to have to scrap it. Yep. Or like Miles Garrett. He retires. something terrible. And then, yeah, <laughs> says, I don't want to go to the Browns. Then we got to reshoot That'd be insane. Um, I mean, current roster, uh, are you saying quarterback position staying the same? Or it's just who's on the team uh, right now. Uh Oh, so no Miles Garrett? Nope. Just... <laughs> you know what? Throw Garrett uh, in. Because we're going to assume no he's going to be a Garrett. Brown. Uh, 
three and thirteen. Ooh, wow. May I mean five wins? Maybe I think. Yeah, you you built the offensive line, but you still really have no answer at quarterback. And I'm not trotting Brock. I'm not hopeful that Brock Osweiler has Brock Osweiler has anything for you to to provide in terms of quarterback play. So three and thirteen. Um, let me write that down. I think you're I think you're able to to run the ball a little bit better, but on defense you're not much better. On offensive, the only thing you've really done is solidify your offensive line. So and you've lost Terrell Pryor in in that in that aspect. Well, I I hope that in the coming weeks and after the draft you finally get back to your optimistic ways of saying the Browns are going to go 12 and four. I know. Give me some more quarterback. Trust me. You put a quarterback, you put a quarterback in front of me. I'll tell you they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Four, (laughs) four or five more wins guaranteed. What's the thing? I mean, the Eagles had just as little talent on their team and Carson Wentz led them to seven wins. I just, it's amazing. Just what a quarterback does to your franchise that the Browns have not had for so freaking long. And before I get off on another tangent. And now the Browns need a draft. That's good. <laughs> like Alex Jones. Like an Alex Jones. All right. Hour five is going to touch on seventh round quarterback prospects. But now we will <laughs> wrap it up there with your three and 13 slash maybe five prediction. Um, that is it for episode three. And make sure we are going to be on iTunes. Andrew, are you an iTunes guy? Are you excited about this? You know, I'm more of a Spotify guy, but I will uh, re-download <laughs> iTunes just to get more views on this podcast. Just to listen to yourself on your long car rides. Exactly. That's as a I'm candy doing. salesman. Yep. Like the Wonka man. <laughs> so we are going to be on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell the your angry coworkers who tell have their friends, harsh Browns tell opinions. Your family. Tell all the Steeler fans you know. <laughs> um, everyone that loves Jimmy Garoppolo. Everyone that tell Miles Garrett to the draft. Post it. Make flyers for us. Post it in your neighborhoods like a lost Play dog. Play it uncomfortably loud at work, like <laughs> Milton in office space and be like, I am allowed to listen to the dog Pond daily podcast. If you're in, if you're in college, post it on the, on the whiteboards and in, in Ooh, every those classroom. Are fun. Those are fun. I mean, do what you got to do. We're going to people, people should listen. We're, we're a good time. <laughs> That's our, not only our closing, but our speed dating strategy. And that is all Andrew. Thank you once again for your optimistic opinions about the Browns and oh, what they're going to do this year. And that is all for us. Thank you for listening.